Hello, this is Daniel Vaughn. I've been podcasting for almost two years, and I just about a month ago found out how to submit, um, manually submit my feed to Apple Podcasts. Well, anybody's getting into podcasting and wants Apple Podcasts, their show on Apple Podcasts, come here and use Anchor Podcasts. Hello, this is Daniel Vaughn. Thank you, Inc., for letting me use Anchor for my podcast. Daniel Vaughn's use wrestling, TV shows, movies, sports, and movies. Excuse me. Thank you, and goodbye. Hello. This is Daniel Vaughn's use wrestling, TV shows, Movies, sports and movies, excuse me. Welcome to my first bonus show where um talk about collections. First collection is uh NWO. And um but I remember when I realized that um the idea was for them to be invaded by the NWO that only took about um I didn't know what it was at first but when he but when Scott Hall in this first um video um uh, when he spoke about the Nacho Man Billionaire Ted um stuff then he then he said that um you can tell that believe believe he said you can tell that um trying to remember the names of of the dolls oh yeah Ken and Barbie you can tell that Ken doll looking Ken doll lookalike that I'm gonna be here later on in the show to talk to him and I when he got slapped by Sting after throwing a toothpick in Sting's face, he said he had a big surprise um, for them coming next week, which was, of course, Kevin Nash. I knew he was talking about Diesel. And I remember... Um, at the time, I said to myself, the more the storyline came started to unfold, they're gonna get a, get sued if they weren't careful. To this day, um, one of the TBS executives, uh, Harvey Schiller, still says he doesn't believe they stole anybody's characters, but he's, he does not know wrestling, so his opinion doesn't matter. Because it's a... Because it's it's a, it's its own entity and it's uh and not just its own entity, but it if you don't if you don't run house shows, y'all are if y'all don't do well in house shows, y'all likely aren't gonna make it very long. So because of that, that's why he doesn't have any business talking about it. Matter of fact, Vince had every ground to sue them because they came 
too close to looking like um, Diesel and uh, and Razor. Instead of being themselves right away, they just let them pretend to invade, and that's the biggest mistake you can make. So, the next... That's my view on, um... On how it started, and my thoughts... Oh, wait a minute. That's very interesting. In the beginning of the collection, they show the first two, the first two, um, episodes of Money Nitro with, um, with Hall and Nash showing up the first time. They showed both of their appearances in one video instead of separating them. Very, I th find that very interesting. Then Kevin Nash came out, and he said, you've been sitting out here for, I think he said, six months running your mouth. And then he, he said, look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. And I remember, as a kid, actually I remember, I don't remember how I felt about that, but I remember, as a kid, remember as a teenager watching that, and I didn't really know what the adjective meant, but, um, if you used, but I understood he meant that play is opposite of what they were looking for. And he started, this was really interesting, this was before Hogan even decided to be a member of the NWO, and he said... And he mentioned, where's, where's Hogan? Is he out filming another episode of Blunder in Paradise? And then he, he, um, started mentioning some other people. And the end, and Ergoshoff said, you come to the office this, I think he said, Wednesday morning? And I'll get you your opponents. The, and then, as he explained, as Bischoff explained, to his co-host for 83 weeks, Conrad Thompson. This whole thing was, was character development, so that's why, that's how he justified keeping them from doing anything physical or having a match at first. When they could have had, when they could have set a match for Monday Nitro for all we know. He felt like keeping them off of, um, keeping them in the back and building suspense was the best way to develop their characters. So, somehow, um, by this time, by the time Great American Bash came, um, where at that, that point in time they were supposed to have their aunt, their three men. Because they already said they had a mystery partner. So they're already supposed to have three men. And so Eric claimed that he got them three men. I remember the first thing that came out of his mouth was, Do you guys work for the WWF? 
And when I remember seeing this on pay per view, probably with uh, not just dad, but probably my uncle, who was his brother. I think I think it was with his brother, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember the second he said that, I remember thinking to myself, being that he um, being that he mentioned that. I said, I said to myself, I said, that's going to keep them from getting sued. So that's how they settled out of court. And he mentioned that he couldn't tell them on, on the Great American Bash. And I remember being disappointed at that. Knowing what I know now, though, I understand perfectly why he didn't say it right away. Because when you see how things are done today sometimes sometimes it's too fast and sometimes sometimes it's too long sometimes things happen too quickly and sometimes things don't happen fast enough and that's the perfect example of that they needed to continue they needed to save it to save the uh the three the six man match for big time, and they needed it to be, they needed to give them more of a storyline to work with, so that's why I understand this, what was really interesting to me, look, even looking back at that, I didn't remember for the longest time what was underneath the, w, the Great American Bash um, logo that he was powerbombed power through. But I do remember how when he when he said he couldn't tell them who their opponents were. I remember Scott Hall said, You're not gonna jack us around so he hit Eric in the stomach and then he got power bombed of course, as I just said by Kevin Nash. I remember really being surprised at that as a kid because I had never seen anything like that. And I'm not sure if they're going to show this or not on the collection of the NWO, but it's an, it's an interesting... But this when you see the NWO story, you find out that um, they're, the WCW... In Kevin Nash's words, what I'm about to talk about was an example of why WCW, to be people who are adults who know wrestling, WCW was seen as lower class, um, lower than Vance's company. So that's why this could work. Because they already believe they're lower class. So in this... So, when they came out to, in the middle of a triangle tag team title match, um, ho, ho, uh, tag, tag champions Luger and Sting defending against the Steiner brothers and Harlem Heat, um, they came through the, over the guardrail with baseball bats, and there were only six men, so when they... When that's all it took for them to 
act scared. That's why it, in the, even though it worked, it was it was a bad idea to do. It was bad. It looked bad for the company because if six of your top stars and all of them are tag teams, when a new tag team coming in pretending to invade from the other from the rival promotion, when they can cause security guards or police officers from uh from that state y'all are in come out with with their guns to pull them out there's a to get them out of the building that looks bad because it's only that's six superstars they're just two men with baseball bats how how's that gonna how's that gonna stop how are they gonna stop them with two baseball bats when when uh the horsemen in the eighties they they were four men and they did more than that with just their bare hands, so it really made them look bad. They made the company look bad and Kevin Ash said on the NWF story DVD that people in the WWF and fans of the WWF thought that they were WCW was a joke and Bischoff never put that together until Kevin Ash Kevin Ash said that. Not really just it's not really ignorance, it was not really being aware of the business in a in a in a promoting way. He didn't understand what Vince understood. That's why he had such a hard time grasping what he needed to do for WCW as a company. And, um, I remember he said that, uh, to keep, um, to make sure that everything looked real, Bischoff said when he was powerbombed through that part of the stage, through the through the thing that the logo was on top of, he did not pra- they did not practice that because he wanted it to be look as real as possible. So, and he wanted it to be as real as possible so that so that the uh, fans would not put a- be able to put together that it's an act. Okay, the next video was the. Bash at the beach, uh, sex fan match when Hogan revealed himself to be the third man. About five or ten minutes of the match, Kevin Nash locked a Luger in the corner, almost like a front face lock, to the point that Sting had to hit the Scorpion Deathlock on Nash. And it knocked out Luger to where the rest had to be done. The rest of the match had to be done in a tag team match. I remember as a kid being shocked that Hogan joined Hall and Nash. And then I remember a few years ago, I remember being just as equally shocked that this was actually supposed to be Sting.
who was the fourth man. Third man, excuse me. And Hogan, really, I was surprised at how believable Hogan was in his promo. I know he talks well, but you usually you don't talk that well unless you've been a villain before. And I didn't find this out until um, I saw a DVD or something with Hogan, the Ultimate Anthology, and I found out he was a villain before this, or a heel. And I said, oh, now I understand. He already was a heel, just never as Hulk Hogan. And then I found out in the Monday Night Ratings War special on uh, the WWE Network, what gave him the confidence to, what made him become Hollywood Hogan was by looking at Hall and Ash and seeing, if I call myself Hollywood Hulk Hogan, then I'll be able to do it. Then it turned out back in 1988, 89, when, or 89, when he went against Ultimate Warrior, WrestleMania, he wanted to come back and be repackaged as Hollywood Hogan and Third Hill. But Vince knew the business well enough to know that his babyface character had it run its course. So that's why they stopped. Very interesting stuff. He's, and when he had never heard of New World Order until um, this, until they would call themselves New World Order. Then I found out that New World Order for, you know, for um, religion, the belief is that, um, which I was brought up, to, brought up in, and I believe this to be true, New World Order is going to be what, um, be in is a futuristic thing and I did not know that that was even being discussed before so really interesting stuff even more so now um, there is a people have been saying this for so many years that people that don't believe this will, will scoff and say, oh, they've been saying that for forever. They've been saying that for so many years now. It's never going to happen. Well, I believe it will happen. When uh, the belief that Christians have is that the New World Order will be... Um, will be in effect, and when it's in effect, then um, you won't be able to, um, there will be no churches, there will be no, um, we really won't have any freedom to go out in public unless you believe in whatever the New World Order tells you to believe in, and that's what we believe and we can see it in society that it's going to happen. In the not too distant future, I believe, is how it will happen. This is what's going to happen with it. So, so it was really amazing to me to hear about that. <clears throat> that Hulk Hogan 
went back to his what you gonna do. This time he he said it in a villain, said it in a with a, his hill, new hill character. So, you booed instead. And the only person who actually when Hogan came out, said who side is he on was naturally was Bobby Heenan, and Bobby Heenan said I told you, you wouldn't listen to me. I told you it was no good. <laughs> Hmm. And um, the only thing Tony could say about this was, "We have seen the end of Alchemania." Then he said, "For Bobby the Brain Heenan, for Dusty Rhodes, Gene Okerlund." He said, "I'm Tony Schiavone." He told Hogan to go to hell. I don't remember that. And he said, we're out of here. To show a replay of him raising Hall and Nash's hands. Like they won the match. And what I still find interesting was he... Yeah, he wore red and yellow. He wore red and yellow pants. Almost like cowboy boots. And he was, and I found it interesting because he usually didn't wear yellow pants, red and yellow pants, so that really made it interesting. I think when he, I think when he, was, he was trying to give fans a hint that he, uh, something was unexpected. Because if he was to be the hero, he would usually wear the tights. He didn't wear the tights, so it makes me wonder if he was doing that for the surprise factor or not. Hmm. And, um, a lot of this I'm going to be talking about later on for, uh, Nitro, but because this is part of the collection, I'll talk about it. First time he wore black and black, uh, colors by, when he was in the NWO was when, uh, he was out there with um, the Outsiders and um, Money Nitro. First thing that Gene said was he had led them down the Primrose path. And I found out 
later on that in so many words that means that he just deceived them, which is exactly what he meant. It's just really interesting to see, um, interesting to see this again, cause, oh yeah, he had beaten Lex Luger, no, no, he had, they interrupted Bubba Rogers and Lex Luger's match. Could they double clothesline Big Bubba? Still waiting to see when Gene comes out. said, well, you know something, Gene, oh, I wish I would have done this two years ago. So the New World Order is taking over professional wrestling. That Al Hogan is bigger than the sport of professional wrestling with the Outsiders, the New Blood, the foundation of the NWO. We shall rule the wrestling world, being Gene. And a lot of this I know a lot, of, a lot of people was critical of what, critical of what Ric Flair said, but a lot of this proves Ric Flair right. They are, they are a cheap imitate. They were a cheap imitation of Four Horsemen. Because just talk about taking over and ruling the world of wrestling. That's what Tully Blanchard said in the nineteen eighties about the Horsemen. Gene asked him, what about the Hulk, what about the kids? And he said, the thousands of, you know, about the thousands and thousands of telephone calls that came in to WCW. Every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth is totally disgusted with you. And then he said it, he included himself in that. He spoke about his demandments. The three of them being... Prayers, training, and vitamins, and saying your prayers, taking your, doing the training and taking your vitamins. So, like I said, these people out here, after I led their children down the right path, the goal to call, to boo Hulk Hogan one more time, you fans can stick it, brother. He said, wait a minute, I think Sting, or Eric Bischoff pointed out earlier on, Sting said it when best when he retorted that Hulk Hogan, you can stick it. Hulk Hogan said, as far as people like Sting go, 10 years ago, shook his hand in a speech. He was a skinny little bodybuilder. 
If he laid eyes on Hulk Hogan, he was shaking in his boots. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe if he met um, Sting, it was probably after Sting was 265, and that's not skinny. <laughs> Hogan said, I heard all the crying from the so-called Macho Man. For three years, he blamed his divorce, the fact that he couldn't rise to the occasion. On Hulk Hogan, brother, over and over and over again, the past week, I've heard the whole WCW blame Hulk Hogan for their problems. The problem is, I'm the greatest wrestler in the world. Made professional wrestling. I'll always be bigger than wrestling. But these two friends of mine, the New World Order, shall rule the wrestling world. So you got all these guys back? You call these guys your friends? You know, this guy's background and the other one's background? Look what they've done. This NWO, where's it gonna go? Going to, who is it? Who is going to be a part of it? I think that's the question we are all asking ourselves, and I'm going to ask you. He said, "These are the renegades. These are the men that, when I open the door, brother, they have to look guts enough to walk through it. These are the guys who are going to set the trend for the '90s. They will lead Hulk Hogan and professional wrestling to its destiny." These guys are just the foundation. thing that everybody or all the people out there don't realize is as I build my empire, will there be more outsiders that, that I bring in? Will it be people that are so close to Ted Turner? Maybe Eric Bischoff's friends? Who knows, man? Maybe the guys that are in the locker room right now. There's always been a double loyalty, man. This business, they've been loyal to the promoters that pay their bills, and they also have been loyal to Hulk Hogan because they know where Hulk Hogan goes. That's where professional wrestling goes. You have to vent all of this on people, your peers in this business. About the kids that have looked up to you for years and years and years. How it comes down to this? Take the microphone away. can't read the rest of what he said, so I'll get said it. You know, dude, I laid it out straight for all those kids, brother. They don't, they don't want to follow the path, so I'm done with them. Man, but as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to mess with that skinny little macho man or that crybaby sting. Going right to the top of the ladder, brother. And hug loud, brother, on August the 10th. If the giant has got guts enough, Going to dismantle old Ted Turner organization at one night. Going to take the WCW belt, make it the New World Order belt, and we shall reign supreme from that day forward. As far as I'm concerned, brother, if Ted Turner has any boys in the back that have any guts at all, come on out right now. We'll all beat up the whole WCW right now. And what are they going to do? Oh, yeah.
They were all talking about all the people he wished were there. Better brothers and the faces of fear coming out. That's why. That's why Nash pulled out a chair. That Arn Anderson is out there. We'll see you next week, and Hogan, we'll see you at Road Wild. I think Eric was saying, I'm out of here. Okay, that's all I want to talk about for right now in this collection. Um, uh, I was, before that, talk, looking at... Um, I was looking at... Um, World War Three ninety five, so that I could talk about it. Alright, so that's going to be my next episode, and this is a bonus episode. Please listen to it. Thank you, and goodbye.